Exodus chapter 20 and verse number 16. The Bible says, Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'll bless the reading of thy word. I ask you to speak these next few moments. Give us liberty and vocabulary and help us to say only what you would have us to say. We'll thank you for it in Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. You can be seated this morning. I know this morning, I want to just say on the outset of this message that I think you will agree with this statement that we live in a country, we live in a world that is full of lies today. And it seems like that as time goes by, as days goes by, that it's becoming more difficult to find the truth in a world that has so many lies within it. But I'm glad this morning that I hold a copy of the truth in my hand. Amen. Uh, Brother Danny quoted the verse this morning in John 17 where Jesus was praying and in that uh, high priestly prayer our Lord prayed for himself and he prayed for the disciples and he prayed for the church and and in those verses he he said this prayer. He said, Lord, uh, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth and the word of God is truth this morning. And as we think about that and we think about this ninth commandment that is given here, uh, it has to do uh, uh, was truth. Now when you think about uh, the third commandment, he said in that third commandment there that uh, thou shalt not uh, uh, take the Lord thy God's name in vain. Uh, that has to do with God's uh, uh, God's name. It has to do with, uh, uh, with his reputation that we're not to take it in vain. But this commandment uh, has to do with our character and our reputation uh, that we're not to bear false witness against a neighbor. Now when you think about that this morning, uh, whenever someone bears a false witness against somebody, it's not near as much an attack on that individual's character as what it is on the one that's bearing the false witness. And when you come to this text here, it reminds me of when that lawyer came to Jesus and he asked the question to him, who is my neighbor? And Jesus gave that parable, or he gave that story there concerning uh, the good Samaritan, but at the close of that, he he answered the question as to who his neighbor was. His neighbor was anyone that came in his path. His neighbor was anyone that was less fortunate than what he was. His neighbor was anyone that was standing in the need of help. His neighbor was all that he came in contact with. Friend, I want to tell you that's who our neighbor is still this morning. Whoever God puts in our path, uh, they are our neighbor. Those that we see that are less fortunate than what we are. They're our neighbor. Amen. Everyone that we come in contact with is our neighbor this morning. And the Bible here gives this commandment that we are not to bear false witness against our neighbor. Our neighbor's not just the person that lives next to us or those that live down the street. And our closest neighbors this morning are those that live in the walls of our home. We have to look beyond just the titles this morning. Well, that's mom and dad, or that's my spouse, or that's my children. No, those are souls. Souls of men that live within the walls of your home. They're souls that God has given you that are close to you. And and if anybody needs to know that we're real, the people that live amongst us and with us, they need to know we're real this morning. We're not to bear false witness with our neighbor. I want to preach a few minutes this morning on this subject on keeping it real in the home. Keeping it real 
in the home. You see, this morning, uh, listen, we ought to be true. We ought to be real in front of others. We ought to be real in society. We ought to be real when we come to church. But I want to say, if there's any place that we need to be real, we need to be real in the home, amen? And if you're going to live for God anywhere, live for God in your home, amen? And if you'll live for God in your home, then you will live for God in the community and, and at the church house. Uh, but long too many uh, houses and homes have been torn apart because mom and dad was one thing at church uh, and they was another thing at the house. Uh, uh, young people knew how to put the mask of religion on. Uh, uh, listen, in front of the youth group, in front of the pastor, but when they got home, it was a different story. I want to say this morning, uh, if you want to keep your heart uh, or if you want to keep your home, uh, you've got to be real, amen? Uh, and there's a lot of ways uh, that we can bear false witness both in society and even within our home this morning. I thought about ways that we can bear false witness. Uh, I think one of the ways to bear false witnesses is flattery this morning. Amen. First Thessalonians 2 and verse 5 said, For neither at any time, Paul said, use we flattering words. Job said in Job 32 in verse 21, let me not, I pray you, accept any man's persons, neither let me give flattering titles unto man. For I know not to give flattering titles, in so doing my maker would soon take me away. Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 19, he that goeth about as a talebearer revealeth secrets, therefore meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. Amen. Uh, now don't let this kill the meeting. This morning we shouted all during the singing we need to shout during the preaching too amen but I want to tell you flattering words is nothing more than bearing a false witness this morning you see a compliment is you say what's the difference preacher between a compliment and flattery I'll tell you the difference a compliment is meant to be an encouragement a compliment is genuine when you compliment somebody but when you flatter someone you're really just saying something to make them feel good because you have an alternative motive. Amen. I want to say this morning, uh, God wants us to be genuine in our speech. Uh, and when we pay someone a compliment, uh, it ought to come from the heart. It ought to come with a, with a motive to minister and to be a blessing, uh, not to get something in return. Is that right this morning? Uh, and you know, there are some people, they live their life by flattering those around them. Now, have you ever seen that? I'm sure you have. It's on the job, amen. I mean, listen, uh, you know you've seen that on the job. Uh, we call them suck-ups. Somebody say amen. Is that right? I mean, listen, uh, uh, they'll suck up to anybody that's got a higher position than that, and that we call them brown nosers, amen? Uh, uh, anybody that's got a higher position than what they've got, uh, anybody that, uh, uh, if they think that there's something in it for them, that, that they'll help them climb the corporate ladder, uh, you know, they won't work, work hard all day, but you let the boss come through. Uh, I mean, they're cleaning, the, listen, they're cleaning the, the paint off the wall, amen? Uh, uh, they'll work hard, but when the boss is gone, they're back to being lazy once again. People like that get on my nerves. You have to pray for me. It's a good thing I'm not a supervisor. I'd fire every one of them, amen. Isn't that right? I mean, just no, no character. I'm just always trying to butter people up. Don't let people butter you up. Can I get a witness on that? I mean, you can tell when people's being genuine or, or when they want something or, or they're trying I mean, just don't, you know what you do when you butter, you butter a butterball, amen. Somebody butters you up, amen. That just means you're a butterball if you let them. You're a turkey. 
That's what you do to a turkey. You, you butter it up, friend, because you plan on consuming it. Watch people that want to just flatter you with their lips. Uh, they want to just throw compliments left and right. Uh, just remind yourself, uh, we're not near as good. People all the time complimenting you. Uh, listen, there's not, I like compliments, uh, but you know when it's flattery, when it goes too far, amen. Now the flesh will always tell you that's not too far, but use common sense right there. I mean, somebody walks up to you and says, man, you're, you're the greatest person in the world. Now, that's flattery. Somebody walks up and says, you're a blessing. That's a compliment. They say, man, you, you're the smartest person I know. Well, then they don't know too many people. <laughs> flattery. Man, you look like a million bucks. You ever seen a million bucks? <laughs> but people, people just say anything just to get somebody on their side. I've seen it in church. I've watched people run around. They'd make a great politician. Flatter people. You say, what do you do? I just carry on. God opened their eyes. Don't be fooled by flattery. Amen, a compliment ought to be a blessing. But then uh, that's false witness. And then gossip is false witness. The Bible said in James chapter three and verse number six, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body and setteth on fire the course of nature and is set on fire of hell. Leviticus 19 and verse number 16 said, thou shalt not go up and down as a a talebearer among thy people. In 1 Timothy chapter five and verse number 13, Paul was talking to the young widows and he said this, and with all they learned to be idle, wandering about from house to house and not only idle, but but tattlers also and busybodies speaking things that they ought not. I want to tell you, listen, uh, uh, you and I have no business, uh, a business spreading gossip. Can I get a witness right there? Just because something is true doesn't mean it needs to be told. And just because you hear it doesn't mean you need to spread it. Somebody say, amen. He that's of a faithful spirit, the Bible said in Proverbs, he concealeth the matter, amen. Sometimes people say, did you hear about so-and-so? Yeah, I heard about that but I'm not going to tell everybody. I wouldn't want to tell other people's business no more than I would want them to be telling mine. I told somebody something one time and my wife said to me, she said, why did you tell them that? She said, they'll tell everybody. I said, I know. (laughs) Sometimes a gossiper can be a good tool. I don't feel like you're a tool, amen? You're a tool of the devil is what you are. I told her, I told her, I said, "I I want everybody to know that. And you know what? They were dependable. (laughs) I mean, there's some people, a gossip, they they got a tongue as long as a rattlesnake, amen? And social media has just, uh, it's enhanced. And I'm gonna bust social media probably seven or eight times in this sermon uh, because uh, it has messed up so many homes. Uh, It has messed up and caused division in churches. Uh, It has messed up young people. And this country is so messed up uh, because people think that when something happens, uh, it's their sole duty to post it and put it on social media and tell the whole world. uh, And everybody's in a race uh, to be the first one to break the news. Uh, uh, Listen, to tell everybody what's going on uh, and nobody knows how to keep nothing secret or private anymore, amen. Rather sad, isn't it? 
things happen, misinformed information because they only have a piece of the information, never thinking about what the family would think about that, never thinking about the consequences of others or even the privacy of other people, how that they may not want everybody knowing. Listen, you know, I'm a private person. How many of y'all can say amen to that? I don't like people knowing everything. And there ain't nothing going on that you'd want to know. Nothing, nothing flashy in my life. There are just some things I don't want people to know. It's like when people have surgeries. Let me just preach this for a second. Never ask somebody what kind of surgery they're having. I got four amens on that. I can't believe people walk up and they'll just say, now, what kind of surgery are you having? Well, that's personal. Maybe I don't want to tell somebody. But some people act like they, act, they work for the Independent Baptist CIA. <laughs> like it's their job to, to find out what's going on. If somebody tells me they're having a surgery, as a pastor, I wait to see if they're gonna tell me what kind of surgery they're having. If they don't tell me what kind of surgery they're having, I figure either they don't want me to know or I don't want to know what kind of surgery they're having, amen? You know, there's just some information I'd rather not know, wouldn't you? And there's some information I'd rather not tell. You say, well, I'm an open book. Well, I wish you'd close a few chapters of your book, amen, for the sake of all of us. But I'm just simply saying this, a friend that gossip, people like they love gossip, amen. They like to get on, I'm gonna tell you, if all you do is get on social media and read everybody else's life, you don't have a life. Is that right? If you're going, listen, if you do this all day long, rather than this all day long, you don't have a life, friend. If you're burning countless hours in precious daylight, uh, uh, listen, just 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 combing, uh, listen, social media, keeping up with everybody and seeing what you say, well, I just like to know news. Uh, uh, well, then just get in the book, amen, uh, and get heaven's news. Uh, I'm just saying, prayer. Uh, we're in a world of trouble because it can't nothing be private anymore. I'm not against, I thank God for, for uh, you know, the, the technology. A lot of friends of mine, I've listened to sermons they preach uh, because of Facebook Live that it's been, and it's been a tool, I understand that. I'm not against that. But one of the reasons we put it on, on the website is because you have to go there to watch it. And you have to watch it after we've had church. And the reason for that is, is because if I want to say pray for brother so-and-so, it's just for our church, is that right? If I want to talk to the church, I, I don't want everybody to know. You say, well, what's the big deal about that? I remember a few years ago, there was, uh, was somebody uh, got all upset about something that was said at Jubilee. We did a Jubilee Live so that Brother Josh Hill and Sister Melissa could, uh, could, could listen. And I said something about whipping kids and, and somebody got sideways that we didn't even know. And they was and all, and all afternoon, all they did was talk about who thought was right and who thought was wrong. And if I don't know them about it, I'd have preached on it while they had the feed going. Amen. That's the world we live in today. Everybody's got an opinion. They don't care to put it out there, do they? Opinions are like armpits. You know that, don't you? Everybody's got two of them and they both stink. Amen. But it's just the world that we live in today. Not able to keep things quiet. Social media has destroyed that. Gossip, I'm trying to move on. I'm just in the introduction, but I'll move on here in just a minute. What about lying this morning? It's false witness. Proverbs 17 and verse 9, a false witness shall not be unpunished and he that speaketh the lies shall perish. Psalms 119 and verse 29, David said this, remove from me the way of lying 
The Bible said in Proverbs 30 and verse 8, remove far from me vanity and lies. Proverbs 6 and verse number 16, these six things that the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him, a proud look and a lying tongue and hands that shed innocent blood and a heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies and he that soweth discord among the brethren. The pastor called me yesterday and a couple in his church that they had been a blessing to for years. I'm talking about the church had been a blessing to them for years. Tried to tear the church all to pieces. They left the church, but they really didn't leave the church. Things didn't go the way that they wanted them to go. I'm talking about a church that probably gave them more money than any church I know gave to send. They weren't even in the ministry. When they left, they didn't say anything good about the church. They talked about the pastor. They talked about the pastor's wife. And, and I knew about the situation. It, it happened some time ago. And, and, uh, and like a cancer, they want to stay connected with everybody in the church. And the pastors, you see, they leave the church. They talk about the church, but they know who to stay connected with. And the pastor was just sharing his burden with me. He said, I'm so fed up. He said, I'm so upset. He said, he said one of the reasons I'm upset is, I'm, he said, you know how people like that are. He said, they don't bother me near as much as people in our church that I thought was loyal. People in our church that know what happened, but yet they still hook up with them. I'm going to tell you this morning, I know this ain't popular preaching, but it's in the Bible. 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 6 ought to be a verse every church member circles in their Bible. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves from every brother that walketh disorderly and not after the traditions which he hath received of us. You ought to circle that last word, us. Paul's talking about himself. Now why could Paul say that? Because Paul had preached the truth to that church. He had taught them what was right. And he said, withdraw those that walk disorderly. Verse 14, you ought to circle verse 14 and 15. And if any, if any man obey not our, our word, why could Paul say that? Because Paul had preached the truth. By this epistle, note that man, and notice this, have no company with him. Why? Why would we do that as a church? Read the rest of that verse, that he may be ashamed. I'm going to tell you, if people don't ever get ashamed of the things they're doing, the way they're acting, and the trouble they're causing, they will never get right with God. And the way people get ashamed is when you withdraw from them. That doesn't mean you don't pray for them. That doesn't mean if you see them at town, as I said last week, you don't shake their hand, be a Christian, and say, hey, good to see you, brother. Good to see you, sister. But what that means is you don't hook up with them. You let them, if they go the wrong way, if they cause trouble, there needs to come sin ought to bring shame. And we live in a society when if you preach that, people say, oh, listen, you just, you just want to beat people over the heads. You want people to feel bad. I want them to feel bad about their sin because it's the only way they're ever going to get right with God. Amen? I want to feel bad about my sin. When I do wrong. I want to be condemned about it. I want to, to be corrected so that I'll get it right. Uh, but we live in a day when people, listen, they sin and they cause trouble in the church and, and just like this dear brother that was talking to me, they tear up all kinds of mess uh, in the church and they leave and go down the road uh, and they join another church uh, and everybody in that church is still connected and they're still talking to them like everything went on. Hey friend, I don't want to be, I don't want to be aiding the problem. I want to be a help to the solution to that problem. 
because the end result is this. It's not to break fellowship. That's not the end. Now, for some people, that is. They're just happy to break fellowship. No, that hurts. What's the end result? To bring them to the place of repentance. Lying. Lying. People leave a church and they'll talk about everything in the church. Never tell them the good things. I heard someone say just the other day, they talking about people doing them wrong and doing wrong, and I, and I knew about the situation. I thought, why, do, why would they tell that? You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of y'all have been done wrong in church at some point? Well, y'all have. Ain't that's right, Brother Jack. Everybody has. Why would I want to talk about the bad when I can talk about the good? I don't want to talk about how I've been done wrong in church. I'd rather talk about how I've, how I've been done right, how people's been a blessing. Because, you know, the truth is uh, uh, that road goes both ways. We don't like to think about it. Uh, but we're, none of us are squeaky clean. Amen. Uh, and listen, we, uh, we don't want to tell. Uh, listen, we don't want people out uh, airing out all of our dirty laundry. I'm saying lying. This morning people leave and they lie. Listen, preachers, they fabricate. They exaggerate stories in the pulpit. They build them up bigger than what they are. Uh, we have to be careful that when we stay in this uh, pulpit that we preach a truth of the word of God uh, and if we use an illustration or story it needs to be believable can somebody say amen and I've heard some stories and I thought there's no way there's no way call me an unbeliever all you want to it's not God's word I'm doubting it's that preacher's word I'm doubting I've heard stories I'm like there's no way that happened you say well preacher if there's no way, then what were they doing? They were lying. I want to tell you something. People ought to be able to believe us, but they really ought to be able to believe us when we stand behind this desk. We've got to be careful that what we say is true. It may not be flashy. It may not be the, uh, you know, every preacher wants that story that's going to wow the audience. But I'll tell you the story that's going to get a hold of them and wow the audience. Amen. It's right here. It's already been written. It's already been told. It's already been lived. You didn't come for me to tell you something that you've never heard before or to pull a rabbit out of the hat. Amen. Or everybody to go out and talk about something I've said. But you come to hear from that book. Amen. And God help. I don't want to bear false witness and lie in the pulpit. Preachers tell the truth. I know a preacher in his late 50s. He's been 10 different preachers in his lifetime and what time I've known him. And I told my wife one day, I said, if he hasn't learned by now to be himself, he never will. Preachers, be yourself. I, it embarrasses me when preachers get up and act like other preachers. Is anybody like that? It makes me real nervous. Now, I understand people pick up people's mannerism to a degree if it's a pastor or somebody that they've been under, you know, but I'm just talking about imitation. I'm talking about sounding the same. I'm talking about you can close your eyes and you would think it was that individual. I, I, what is that? Brother Sammy used to always say this, and you know everybody's, uh, a lot of people's imitated him. Brother Allen would always say this. He said, if you ever see two preachers that are exact, exactly alike, he said, mark it down. One of them's a copycat. <laughs> Hadn't heard that phrase in years. But he'd always say, they're a copycat. Hey, people all know we're real. Brother, I'm telling you, we don't have to be perfect. We don't have to, everything don't have to be perfect in our life. You know, I think about Facebook people, they post, as I said, they all these picture perfect things, but, but it's not real. Why don't somebody take a picture of their house and put it on there when it's dirty? Actually, some people do. <laughs> 
Why don't they take a picture of their house with their hair, or take a picture of themselves? You know, all these selfies. That, I, that word alone ought to tell you to never do that. Selfies. Takes six hours to make a selfie. That's how long you got to stand in a mirror. That's how long. They, that's the only time some people do clean their house. They clean that one room for that selfie. They mow that yard and get it ready for that selfie. You know. And they take that picture and that's the only time they iron their clothes. Amen. Listen, because the world's watching. No, they're not. (laughs) Only 40 people. (laughs) Selfies. Selfies are sinful, aren't they? Selfies. I don't know. I'm never going to finish this sermon. It's false witness. false witness. You got every hair in place. And then, they, and then they do whatever they do. I don't know what they do to themselves. But they take every wrinkle out and every blemish. Filter. Boy, that's a, that's a good filter. <laughs> I mean, you run some faces through that. I mean, it, <laughs> I'm not even going to talk about it. It's a lot of filtering is what I'm saying. <laughs> I wonder what them people think when, when you actually, and, and it's happened. I'm telling you, I've went places and, and run into people in church and, and they say, oh, we're friends on Facebook. And I'm thinking, I don't even know you. I, I don't know who you are. And then, and then they tell me and, I, and, and all of a sudden this image comes and I'm like, you don't look nothing like that. You look 20 years older. Amen. A whole lot we could say about that. I'll move on. Just lying. Slander. Running people down, attacking their character, trying to make them look bad. You know, that's what the devil does. You're never more like the devil than when you run people down. Talk about them. Somebody sent me a thing or told me about the incentive. They said, you know, you made this thing the other day, social media thing where uh, about, it's a thing where they, they post video clips of preachers and, and they make fun of them. And they take clips of their sermon and they say things about their sermon. And it was something uh, that I'd preached. And, and he started telling me, I said, I don't want to hear that. He said, you don't even want to know. You don't even want to see it. I said, I don't want to see that. Like I care what them people that don't have no more of a life. And I, you know what? People that would make fun of men of God, I'm going to tell you something about them. They're either lost or something really bad is going to happen to them. You mark my word on that. People that, that's mocking preachers. I, I may not even agree with the preacher, but to make fun of him, to take sermon clips and, and say things and make fun, they either are a reprobate that don't even know God and so they have no conscience, it doesn't bother them, or if they are saved, you mark it down. They're not going to live very long doing things like that. Slander, silence, it's bearing false witness, not telling the truth. Avoiding it. As preachers, we have to preach the whole counsel, the word of God. Isn't that right? I'm telling you this morning, uh, listen, our young people, our, our marriages need to hear the truth in the home. Uh, uh, listen, uh, in the home, they need to come to church and they hear, need to hear the man of God preach the truth. And, and yes, he's going to have to preach on adultery and fornication and, and divorce and remarriage and all them different things. Uh, those are hard subjects that's affected so many people's lives. And, and a man of God will have compassion, but he's got an obligation uh, to preach every bit of that. He's got to preach against sodomy. I don't care what they say. They can suppress 
cussing speech all they want to. They can make it a hate speech all they want to. God hates it, amen? Friend, it's sin, it's wickedness, and it's men of God. It's not a time to roll over and get silent on issues that we preached against for years. It's time to take a stand and with love in our heart and compassion in our soul, but with a backbone and boldness, we still need to preach the truth, amen? People say, Brother Gravely, you can't say that no more. I'm going to. You can't say those words. Why? Because they changed the English language. If it's in that book, I'm going to say it. Amen. I think we ought to be careful what we say. But I want to tell you this morning, I don't want to go to church and hear a watered down sermon Sunday in and Sunday out. I don't want to go to church and a pastor have a, have a, have a noodle for a spine. I, I'm not boasting and I'm not bragging. Please understand this morning, I fear God and I know that I'm nothing this morning. But the Bible said, buy the truth and sell it not. And it's not a time to be silent. Amen. And I'd rather die free as a living bondage the rest of my life. I'd rather just tell the truth and take a stand. That's what them boys were doing. They were taking a stand. We still have our freedom this morning. We better exercise it all we can. I'm not going to let some news media outfit. I'm not going to let some uh, uh, listen some compromise and uh, 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 liberal outfit, uh, whoever they be, whether they be in the world or whether they be in Christendom. Uh, they can say whatever they want to say. They can do whatever they want to do. Uh, we'll, we'll meet up at the judgment seat if they make it, friend, uh, and we'll see. We'll let God settle it all on the other side. Uh, but as long as we're in, the, in God's law and preaching God's book, uh, it's not a time to be silent. Uh, it's not even a time to be silent in the pews. Uh, when the preacher preaches on sin, you better say amen. You better stand behind it because we need you as much as you need us in this hour. We need to, our young people need to know that everybody's against it, not just the preacher. I preached in a church that had an old-time preacher once a year. I mean, I'm talking about that pulled both barrels back, and I mean he preached on sin. But the Sunday before he came, the pastor would get up and make an announcement. Now, there's a few things that Brother So-and-so may say that while he's here this week, and they had this man for 20 years. So while he's here, said he may say some things. So y'all do right, do right in these areas while he's here because that's Brother So-and-so. I want to tell you this morning, that's where we're at in a lot of places. If it's wrong 30 years ago, it's wrong today. And it's wrong if, if, if it's wrong if, if, if somebody sitting in the pews is doing it, but it's wrong if I'm doing it. It's wrong if my wife does it. It's wrong if one of my children does it. You say, what about them grandchildren? It's wrong if they do it, amen. I'm telling you, if it's wrong, it's, it's always been wrong and it'll still be wrong. I, and listen, I, I, none of us know what we may have to face in life and we may have to eat a lot of words down life's road because of circumstances and things uh, that's beyond our control. But I'll tell you one thing, oh, by the grace of God, I don't want to do. I don't want to coddle something. I don't want to cover something. I don't want to butter something up. I, I tell you, I don't, I don't want to get soft in my older years and I'm not there yet. Somebody say amen. Uh, but I don't want to get soft in my older years. Uh, uh, but by the grace of God, uh, I just want to be faithful, don't you? Uh, I just want to keep on standing where I've always stood uh, when I first started standing. Uh, I just want to be true uh, to the word of God. I don't want to be a false witness. Hypocrisy, be real. Be yourself. 
Don't let people mold you. Let the word of God mold you. Don't let, because somebody has something more than you got, don't, don't strive to be who they are. You know, I mean, good night. Some people make a watermelon look like it's the greatest thing in the world. They just brag on stuff. Man, that's the best watermelon. If you, ain't got, if you ain't got this watermelon, you ain't got nothing. You say, that's stupid. Well, that's how stupid some people are. I mean, listen, if you, if, if, you, if, you drive, if you drive a Chevy and they drive a Ford, you're nothing. But now if they get a Ford a week from now, it's, it's because Ford, they, they've really stepped their game up, you know. Or Chevy, I mean. They've stepped, they just have a way of making you feel like whatever you have is not as good as what they have. You know what that is? That's a false witness. Well, if you don't live in this house, if you don't drive this car, if you ain't got, I'm telling you, if you don't have leather seats, if you don't wear patent leather shoes, I've never wore patent leather shoes, and praise God I hadn't too. <laughs> if you don't, I'm telling you now, you shop it, you shop at Walmart. That's the other saving place, you know. You shop at J.C. Penney's. Oh, I tell you now, the only place I shop is so. If you, if if you, what they're saying is, if you don't do as I do, if you don't live as I live, that's bondage, friend. That's bondage. I mean, you know, I, the fashion police. You know, you can't wear these colors these time of the year. If I want to wear a Halloween, and I don't believe in Halloween, but if I want to wear a Halloween tie on Christmas Day, it ain't nobody's business. Amen. I wouldn't do that. Well, you can't wear that. Don't you know what time of the year it is? I do. I just don't care, and I can't afford. Come on now. They can't neither. I'd tell you, I'd rather have, I'd rather have money. I don't have money, but I'd rather have the money I have in the bank and not be in bondage to everybody. Let's try to keep up with the Joneses, Amen. Or the Smiths. I'm gonna tell you, that's what I love about this church. The only person we try to keep up with is the Lord. It creates a spirit of competition that don't ever need to be. It's a false witness. You say, preacher, I don't want that in my home. Let me give you four things. We're not preaching them. I'm going to give them to you. Four ways to keep it real in the home. Number one, we must love the truth. Amen. I want to tell you this morning, you want to keep it real in the home? Love this book. Read it as a family. Read it as an individual. Let it play in your house. Let the word of God dwell richly in your heart, but let it dwell richly. Let your children come up knowing mama loves the Bible. Daddy loves the Bible. You all tell you a lot of times you'll get weary and tired working and the devil say, you ain't got time for devotion. You're too wore out. You're too tired. God will make the sleep up. Amen. Even if it's just a few verses in a, in a short prayer, love the truth. Amen. Don't play six hours of Hollywood and hell in your home and then expect your children to have it real because you know what Hollywood is? It's a facade. It's all, it's all an image and they're constantly changing that image and constantly trying to, to pump that that. that 
that thought process in your mind, in the minds of your home. But if you get just away from all of that and you just get in that book, it makes a difference. Well, you watch the news every day. You'll lose your mind. If you're a faithful news watcher, I'm not fussing, but I, I, I challenge you, take three days and don't watch the news and see how much better you feel about life. Love the truth. Secondly, learn the truth. You say, how do you keep it real in the home? Learn the truth. Memorize scripture together. Memorize by, stu- by subject. Buy you a set of commentaries. You ain't got to have 3,000 books. Just buy one good set of commentaries. Buy you a set of John Phillips. It'll be the best $300, $400 you ever spend. You say, I can't afford it. Buy one book at a time. Go buy you, for $85, you can buy a five-volume set of Warren Wiersbe. Go buy that set on, on that B-series and buy it. And, and every time you pull your Bible out, pull that out and just read with it. I'll tell you what, it's like having a teacher in your home. It'll open your eyes. It'll make Bible study a whole lot better. Just buy one set, one set of commentaries and, and wear it out. I, listen, I'm not, a, I'm not a book collector. There's a difference in a reader and a collector. You don't have to have a ton of tools and resources. Just, just have one that you use well and use it over and over again and, and, and study the Word of God. Be a student of the Bible all the days of your life. Love the truth. Teach your children how to have, how to have a personal devotion. Buy them a personal a, a devotional book and not something down at, the, at, at some Lifeway Christian bookstore You know that's, that's got ESV and RSV and all kinds of different mess in it and it's got this uh, some kind of hip titles. No, listen, uh, just come see me, amen, or see somebody in this church uh, and we'll hook you up with some good devotionals uh, uh, that they can read along with their Bible, but teach them how to have a personal devotional time uh, in the mornings or before they go to bed at night. Uh, what is that, preacher? Teach them to learn the truth. Know the books of their Bible so they're not looking for Jonah next to Jude. Amen. It's amazing you say, uh, turn to the book of Jude. That's in the Old Testament. Some people over digging as hard as they can. Learn the books of the Bible. Learn the truth. Love the truth. Live the truth. It's not how much we know as much as it is what we live. Hey, live it in the home. You can't be perfect, but y'all live the Bible. Live it at home. Let, and let each other know that it's real, that, that we don't change, that we don't put a mask on for Sunday morning, Sunday night, and when, but live it in the home. Live the truth. Uh, and when you make a mistake, just be honest about it. Then say, I, I'll tell your wife, I'm sorry I messed up. Tell your husband, I'm sorry I messed up. Uh, and when you read something that you know you don't measure up to, it's always good to even say that. So you know, I was reading this the other day. Boy, it sure got me under conviction. And, and you know what? I'm gonna start working on that more. Hey, that encourages them to work on things in their life and they'd encourage you to work on things in your life and your children know that you're not perfect but you're still a work in progress and it teaches them that failure's not final, that God still works on all of us. There's so much good that can come out of that but I'm just saying live. Listen, read it in the Bible and believe it and live it, amen. And when your friends quit living it and when your family quits living it, don't you change. You live it because it's in the book. Live the truth, love the truth, learn the truth. And then I say this in closing, as they come, labor the truth. So it's a work of labor to give the truth out, to give out to your family. It's a labor to have family devotion. I know that. Where I was at this week, Mississippi, the preacher, he 
He's going to show you something that, that was given to me. And it was Brother Stenet Blue, one of Brother Stenet Blue's Bibles. I said, oh, man, I want to see that. And it was one of the, I remember this Bible because it was, it was, I remember when he got this Bible, it was a red Bible. He always carried a black Schofield and, and he changed. And, 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 and me and this brother, we was in college when he got this. I said, I remember him coming in and talking about this red Bible. He never had a red Bible before, red covered Bible. I said, I remember this Bible. He said, look at Genesis chapter 1. It's written all through it. I turned to Genesis chapter number 1, and it, this is what it said. It had the date. It said, started family devotion together. I'm talking about a man that traveled every week. Started family devotion together, and it had the date. And then over here on the other corner, it said, ended family devotion, and it had Revelation 22, and it, was, and it had the date, and it was five years to the date. Traveled every week of his life almost. We'd call home. I've heard him tell it many times. We'd call home and have family devotion over the phone. It was faithful. You know why he lived it, didn't he? Brother Blue lived. He was real. He wasn't just somebody on Sunday. He was real. He never promoted himself. He never exalted himself. I'll never forget, he told me this one time. He said, don't ever start believing compliments about yourself. He told me that sitting right back there where Jacob was sitting. He said, I'll give you a piece of advice. I said, okay. He said, don't ever believe compliments. He said, always appreciate them. Always thank God for them. But never believe them. I'm going to tell you, that, that, was, that was gold to me. Might have salvaged me from a whole lot of things in life. Labor the truth. Give the truth. You've got to know it if you're going to give it to people as we stand this morning. Keep it real in the home. I could not bear the thought of coming home. I wouldn't care who thought I was real if that lady right over there didn't think I was real. I couldn't bear that thought. If my children didn't think, they know I've not always been right. But I want them to know I've always been real. And this morning, that's what God needs wants in all of our lives it's, we don't always have to we're not always going to be right but we always need to be real that means when you do wrong be, be real about it this morning do you need to come to this altar and say Lord help me just help me to keep it real in the home this morning help me to keep it real maybe there's a young person who needs to do that maybe there's a, a mom, a dad